Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Sandeep Rao. If you're wondering who this legendary godlike figure talking to you at this point in your life is, uh, welcome. This is the Sopi Rao Show. If you're new to this, yeah, exactly. What were you thinking? But if you're a regular, hey, um, I, I always get confused by the size uh, chart. Uh, I never know what size to pick. I mean, I know my size. Um, Hey, come on, let's not be childish about it. I'm talking about, of course, um, it's it's strange that they have these, especially going to like the, the, the clothing section online shopping and they have these size charts. And by the way, if if, if you're uh, living in America, the, the, cloth, the clothes, they're just uh, up by 3X. Like, like when I used to study there, I used to shop in the kids section because <laughs> it's crazy. Like a small in America is still big. Um, and I, I used to just feel like I need to eat more red meat and bulk up and become like a nice boy. But yeah, didn't happen. I, I don't like the way the American uh, sizes fit. I just don't like how it drapes on my shoulders. Um, it's slopey. My, I don't have slopey shoulders, but slopey row. That's probably a new name I can work with. But um, yeah, European styles are much more appropriate to me. I don't know why European sounds British, but I suppose it's a part of it. But they left. Hey, but um, even with the, the, the sizes of everything, like, I, I don't know, it's weird. Like, you feel uh, when it comes to ice cream, they have, like, there's a place in Bangalore called Corner House, which if you visit Bangalore, you must go there. It's lovely. Their chocolate ice cream. I mean, they were hot chocolate fudge. Ooh, they have a size. They have junior. They have a regular. I think they have a junior tall. I don't know. Tall is Starbucks. That's the size. Mm. Yeah, a Starbucks tall is the smallest, if I'm not mistaken. But I like I like how we know the place of a size, right? We we just I think it kind of gives out the arrogance of a place or a country. Like when you are small, is called tall. They, you're like, yeah, I like things, supersize, I'm American bitch. And uh, that's how they do it. Like grande, venti, massive sizes. I think the venti in Starbucks, I don't know if they, and anyway, the venti in Starbucks in the US is I think 32 ounces, which is I think one liter, if I'm not mistaken. People drink one liter of coffee and that's just to get their day started. Uh, but the moment that Starbucks comes to India, they kind of Indianize it. And when I Indianize it, I don't mean it's always a good or bad thing. Like, of course, they have, you know, like Pizza Hut has got like, chicken tikka masala pizza and it's the whole deal like except for like maybe the naan which is the pizza bread everything else got chutney they got onion <laughs> but even these guys like uh, McDonald's they don't have a beef a lamb a hamburger it's a lamb burger which of course they have to do for I think religious sentiments but even Starbucks I don't think they have a venti in India I don't think they have because first of all who the fuck's gonna go say venti in India because like it's got a V it sounds different they're like Vento, that's a car no but the biggest size, I think, is a 16 ounce, but they don't even have ounce. I think it's, I don't think they have the big sizes here because people aren't stupid enough to drink one liter of coffee and that much milk and pay thousand rupees for coffee because that's what it'll probably cost. Uh, they'd rather go to Corner House and have a junior, which I would do. And uh, yeah, I don't get the sizing charts because I think overall we're smaller. Eh, exactly. Dick joke coming? No. But I think there is uh, appropriate consumption, which I, I really hope we stick to this because if we go down the American sizing charts and we sort of try to fill in the sizes for an American smaller eventy, we're going to have some issues with uh, scarcity of resources very quickly, very soon in our country. So be aware of that. Uh, but you're aware of it. I don't think anyone had that issue. Correct. But 
what was I actually going to talk about? Eh, nothing. Eh, I had something on my mind. I don't know what I had on my mind. But um, I was, um, yeah. Now, online shopping, that's it's something which I really am thankful for because I don't have to go to a shop, feel awkward. Because I, I, I realized that I need assistance and I'm happy using assistance from uh, people who are willing to offer their help. But I just like it online. It, I feel powerful when I shop online. I feel like I don't have to buy it, but I can just add shit to my basket and I just feel all like, oh, yes, 18 pairs of shoes. Bring it on. 35 pairs of underwear. Yes, and I'm a double XL biatch. Uh, I wish they had in the same sizing conversation that they had a small waist, which would suit me, with a giant accommodation. Just so that I fill up the basket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to live out a fantasy, like, excuse me, sir, what's your waist size? 30. What's your dong size? I'm a 32-inch there as well. No one has to believe you. It's online. See, because if you go to the store and do that shit, the guy's like, nah. Like, I remember once going, and this is when you're a boy, you go, your mom takes you, this is before the days of shopping online. You go to Commercial Street where all the shops in Bangalore existed and they all were lined next to each other. You would buy a bra, a pin, a chaddi and toys and go to Woody's which was a place where you'd get dosa then restock your energy then again go, go down the street then buy nail polish, go down buy earrings then go to West Side which is right next to the police station and then you finish the stretch of Commercial Street and then you're take an auto but if you don't have enough money then you stop halfway through Commercial Street and take a left and go down up the lane where basically budgeting your shopping and I remember uh, my mum and I going when Jockey was new uh, before that what did we buy we had VIP but Jockey was open and the lady's like uh, yes madam what are you wanting and she said underwear for my son and she's like what size before I could answer my mum's like he's a small I'm like hey 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 woman don't don't smash my hopes so soon in life but I was a small I said, it's to do with waist by the way it's not to do with girth or with capacity I wish they had chaddis based on capacity. Like in golf, your driver is like a 300 and something cc. That's how the head is measured. <laughs> That's so stupid. But I wish they... <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Dick jokes. What to do. But <laughs> yeah, clearly I haven't matured and become a dad. But someone said the other day, Sandeep, are you going to start doing dad jokes? I'm like, yeah. No such thing as dad jokes in my vocabulary. I'm just going to continue doing what I find funny. And if you call it dad jokes, that's be it on your head, woman. But I'm going to... I, I, I feel my words have to be more responsible. I feel a shift. I haven't really... It hasn't really sunk in. I haven't really uh, felt a profound shift in my mindset. But I can kind of feel it coming on. That this is a new me being born. But um, yeah... It's uh, clearly not sunk in fully because... <laughs> ah, but um, I've realized that I can't do milk, man. It's not about lactose. And I think it may be lactose. I haven't got myself checked for it. But I got myself checked for this enzyme, which is a thing for celiac disease. And I don't have it. Uh, but I can't do coffee with milk anymore. Like I, the other day, an aunt said to have some coffee and go. And I, I was constipated. Three days, bloated, gassy. And I think my baby has inherited my gassiness because... She, yes, let's let's a trip, and I'm very proud of her. But um, I can't do, th especially these fancy coffees like the frappes and the lattes and the 
the enchiladas, whatever they call it. enchiladas, a Mexican dish, but the yakchilos and the emachinas and the little chiquitas. I can't do this. I just need black coffee. I like it. Exactly. I like it tall. I like it long. But um, no sugar. Sugar once in a while, it's a treat. But I can't do that flappery, icy, creamy with a lot of creamy head or whipped cream, whatever they call it. It's just too sickeningly sweet for me. That's a sign of me becoming older. Besides that, uh, I really like the Starbucks banana bread because they put these little chocolate chips in it and it's oh, oh so sinful. But I got I, a craving for carrot cake. Uh, you might have heard it when I was talking to Dada Gunamuktananda. And I actually ended up adding, adding it, eh, getting it and eating it, combined the two, uh, from this place in Bangalore called Happy Belly Bakes. It's a lovely place run by a friend of mine. If you are curious about carrot cake, they have it with a Cream cheese frosting. Oh, exotic, good carrot cake. Nice balance of cinnamon and sugar. But I like something about it. It's moist and it's nice. No, you're not going down that path. Yeah, but it's really good uh, to eat. So you should try it. But why am I talking about food? Am I hungry? Yeah, because I haven't eaten anything. I haven't, I'm on a fast. Yeah. But yeah, folks, I hope um, I have nothing profound to share on today's episode. Um, because my guest is going to do that for you. She is Charlotte Lockhart. She's the co-founder of 4-Day Week and 4-Day Week Global. They are introducing the concept of a 4-Day Week with 180-100, which is 100% remuneration, 80% um, time, which is 20% less than a 5-Day Week, if you can do the maths, and 100% productivity. We talk about her journey as a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur, as a philanthropist, and as the founder and co-founder of the 4-Day Week and how they're applying that model to various countries who are willing and various companies that are willing to adopt this into their practice or willing to adopt this practice into their way of operating or the way they operate into their practice, depending on how you want to take it. Basically, these guys want to get the four-day week in their labs and Charlotte and her company are helping them do it. How cool is that? She and I have a fun conversation about her life, about her journey, about living in New Zealand and various other fun things. And I'm sure you'll enjoy what she has to share because she's a woman who's experienced a lot in life and has a lot of knowledge about things that may and most likely will interest you. So uh, let's get into that conversation with Charlotte Lockhart, co-founder of 4-Day Week coming up on the other side. Thank you for listening. As always, take care of yourselves. Till next week, goodbye, God bless, take care of yourselves. Cheers, catch you on the other side. Charlotte Lockhart, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Amit, thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I'm very excited, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, you're my first guest from, um, not even down under, further down under from New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> so I really am excited to um, talk to you at this time because you're doing some really, really amazing work in the, I don't know if work-life balance is the right space, but in just sort of helping people uh, get a much more fulfilling life out of the fact that they have to work, but it's still uh, a way to manage that in a better way. But before we get to the four-day week and how that entire sort of movement began, um, how, how are things in your personal space? Because you've obviously been a business advocate, you're a philanthropist, you're an entrepreneur, and you've been doing so many things. And maybe I think the point to start with is, how did all of that sort of um, 
come into context when you had to go into this uh, pandemic enforced lockdown because I sort of think that's a place where a lot of people's lives changed over maybe overnight, over a week or a few months. So maybe we can start from there and how you were placed at that point in time. Well, I was, and there will be listeners who were in the same place. Um, Mm. I was actually quite pleased to be told to go home and do nothing for a little while. (laughs) Um, And unlike uh, many, unlike many people, um, we had had a very busy time just before the pandemic Mm -hmm. because we had done this whole four-day week thing and we had launched the book and we, we really were launching this the, the the concept of four day week global we we'd had a very big uh three or four months before christmas and then we'd been on the book tour since the third of january and so uh and we were about to uh, we'd come back to new zealand via a number of other countries uh the pandemic following us i think um and you always <laughs> says that he's patient zero um but um, and then we, and we were supposed to be going back to uh, the US for a whole series of meetings with the likes of Microsoft. Andrew was speaking at Wharton Business School, mm-hmm. um, and but all of those meetings started closing down, and it became clear that we weren't going to have to go back to the US. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, in New Zealand, uh, we you know we had a hard lockdown. Right. Uh, the country completely closed down. And, yeah, some of the most um, severe lockdowns as lockdowns went. The most severe yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Um, but we 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 live in a nice place, and we were both very tired. So actually, it forced us um, to take things quietly for a while and look after ourselves and just have a have a rest, really. Um, mm. But also, what we found, because of course we talk about the future of workspace, and we talk about reducing work. And we yeah. found that actually it was just time for us to take a step back and have a bit of a look at what was happening, because you know the pandemic. And certainly it was, that was for many people, but the pandemic might have been a lot worse for the work environment than it actually ended up being. Mm. Um, And we might have had pretty much the entire economy going, you know what, I just would rather have a a day of work, let alone worrying about whether it's for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. so, but but we uh, we found that we had some much more interesting conversations because, of course, Zoom gives you that ability to to connect with people um, in a different way that previously you would have flown into Seattle or yeah. India or you know wherever to, to actually catch up with people and have a face-to-face meeting. Zoom and the pandemic made us take all those conversations online. And so what we found was that we had access to a very different market of people. Um, and so that in itself was quite interesting. And people often ask me, what do I do? And actually, you know what I do? I spend my entire life having really interesting conversations with people. Mm. Um, and that that was the case before the pandemic, but it went to Zoom during the pandemic. Uh, mm. And so, you know, I think there were some real advantages in that yeah. um, space. And so, for, and so for us personally, it was, it was a time of refer- reflection uh, and a time to sort of value what we had already achieved and to really look at what we wanted to achieve in the future. And I think that's probably a wee bit the same for most people. You know, th- once we got over the initial uh, shock of it all, yeah, yeah. as we've come out of the pandemic, what we see in the workplace with, 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 with people's choices around work is that they want a different way of working. 
and that mm. you know the great resignation is a, is is a, a phrase that kind of pulls all of that together and you know yeah. people people want to work differently and if if uh, employers can't offer them that then they'll go find someone else yeah absolutely um i think it's on every sort of level right from a an introspective level to a personal uh personally sort of revisiting what your financial expectations are uh to even your professional goals to what you want out of your job from satisfaction mm-hmm. of fulfillment etc etc i think everything was sort of put through the filter and i think a lot of people arrived at decisions which you just mentioned but i want to just take away from the uh work environment to the environment mm-hmm. of your home country being new zealand yes. i've sadly never been there but of course uh you know you cricket can't. being I must I must come and I'm so um keen on coming to a place like that because it's so romantic in some sense because I've been to the the furthest the closest I've been to New Zealand is uh Western Australia I went to Perth and didn't leave a good taste in my mouth let's be honest it was it was one of those places which was like what's going on over here it's like supposedly uh, I mean we went to Fremantle which was lovely my wife and I we had come for the Perth fringe so um some aspects of perth weren't really nice but some were really nice so i don't want to like diss the entire city for um, a few experiences but when you think of new zealand you know of course i think there are some game of thrones episode shot of there so it's a lot more um, in the in the mainstream but um it's so far away from you know even india um so the entire culture is yeah i'm not uh, very aware of it but when you grow up over there and you work and you do business in a country like new zealand that how does it shape your outlook towards um a work week or maybe even a work day or is it more island in approach or because when you know in in my head when i think of an island country it's either sri lanka or you think of maybe hawaii or you think of uh, that's a state of course but but mm. what is the approach to a daily life over there and growing up for you uh, if how, how was that in um, i think you you, you said mm. you're from Auckland so I'm from how Auckland, did, yeah. yeah how did that shape your perspective on all aspects of life if 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 um, that's even something which is mm. not too vague no look i think it's it's quite interesting because new zealand um So I mean I'm I'm obviously of English descent although mm-hmm. qu- quite a few generations ago so mm-hmm. by no means um connected to England at all mm-hmm. but the New, Ze- New Zealand uh they, they used to say that you go to New Zealand you step back 20 30 years in time as one mm. of those sort of places it's not like that now it hasn't been for quite some time and the internet and con- connectivity gives us that Uh, as growing up um you know my generation we all did or not all of us but you know there was a large part of us that did an overseas experience in OE after mm. uh we finished school and 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 in general you would go to Australia or possibly the UK mm-hmm. and what has changed in time is that that's become a lot more diverse people go to Canada or the US or India or they go to all sorts of the, it's a much more global conversation but mm-hmm. we're still a very uh outward focused nation. Um mm. the pandemic has made us quite a lot more insular which is not very attractive I think. Yeah. And it will be nice to see that change as people feel more safe yeah. uh in the global world. But um New Zealand has a, has its own story on the global stage and it's quite proud of it. Mm. And so growing up it's it, you know it's a very It, it is relatively uh, it's a relatively safe place to grow up yeah uh and we have um we have a relatively good 
um, healthcare, relatively good uh, schooling and things like that. I mean, you know, our, our, our universities are certainly not in the complete top of the world, but they're yeah. certainly still excellent universities. Um, our hospital system is is you know is there's always room for improvement but you of know course, yeah. there is but at least we have a, you know a national health system oh, so you um, do have a national health system okay so you work on a we similar do, model we do we okay. do we do and we have a social welfare system and so we have a we have a we have a society that sits no matter where who's in government whether they're um, left or right it's always mm. they are relatively center uh, so you know, and, and everyone has a heart for building a nation for all. So, mm. we, so, we, so we have that. We do have, um, there, there is, obviously we have the Maori population uh, and there is um, a, a portion of that, that that do feel aggrieved by the whole colonial mm. um, experience. You know, they, they feel didn't work terribly well, well for them. And so we have the politics that goes around that, which, you know, is... is challenging sometimes but I think sometimes you need things in your society that challenge you so that you can continue to move forward and New Zealand's a reasonably progressive nation you know we we, we were fairly early in the conversation to have gay marriage and um, you know all of those sort of things we've got good gender balance in the workplace it's mm. not perfect um, and actually that's one of the things that that you know the four-day week, or, or versions of reduced hour working actually really help with. Um, so um, you know, so so we have all. So we have a we have a, a sense of of relatively a equal opportunity. We do have right. poverty, but the poverty that we have isn't isn't extreme as it, you know it can be in other nations. You know, for example, you know we're in India. We also don't we also don't have the we we do have. The gap between the rich and the poor in New Zealand is getting wider, like it is everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, um, yeah. and I and I and I certainly don't want to 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 to, to, to diminish that at all. But our most wealthy person is only four hundredth on the UK wealth list. You know, mm. so you know our at the our wealth in relative terms to, to to the world. But as a consequence, we're a nation that is able to achieve a lot on on a fairly low budget. Um, right. And we have quite a lot to do with various charities uh, in New Zealand with our philanthropy and, and, and our business, Perpetual Guardian, also has quite a lot to do because as a, as a trustee company, we manage a lot of funds for, mm -hmm. for charities and, and, uh, and funds that, that, are, that are applied to charitable giving. Um, and so, so we have quite a lot. And so yeah. we, we achieve a lot with those charities with the sort of budgets that you know you, you take that charity and you pop it in the US and then suddenly they're having you know a gala I mean the Princess Trust here had a it's a, a UK initiative of, from the Prince of Wales but the American team had a gala the night before the Met Gala and, and raised a phenomenal amount of money that just you know somewhere like New Zealand we'd only dream yeah so there's a modesty that comes with being a New Zealander I think that yeah you know is, um, it's what you said is, uh, it's it's also I think one of those situations where you do have you you compared to India especially, but I think in general you have a smaller population. I think uh, yeah. especially we have, we have five million people. So much yeah, which more. is my neighborhood. So it's it's. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, jokes apart, I think um, you, you do work with 
a model which you know implementation could be easier and disparity could be um the the, the gap could be um reduced because of numbers the moment numbers are less i think 5 million is around what singapore is um mm. and you see countries like that having a better um better governance better sort of um things and of course and this is none of it is a generalization there are issues there are social sort of um things that do come up uh, but on that front um you know being um quite remotely uh, located geographically and being surrounded by a lot of island nations which um look to new zealand and australia for uh, some sense of uh, representation when I, I, if i'm not mistaken like the pacific islands look um mm. at you know, the closest point being new zealand or australia mm. what is um sort of the uh, you mentioned the the um the, the local the indigenous population uh, so what is the integration like because of course it's been many years since the colony was set up and now of course mm-hmm. there's a lot of um reparations being asked for a lot of things with changing the name and i read recently i heard yes. recently how youngsters from the indigenous population the maori are using music in um, i think in auckland to come up i think it's maybe beatboxing or some some kind of uh, musical mm-hmm. form to express their um, identity and their sort of history and their 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 kind of pride in their past Um mm-hmm. so how do you integrate mm-hmm. a population in the 21st century being geographically quite remote compared to mainstream Europe or mainstream North America and kind of keep it um keep it retain some sense of the New Zealand the culture of the country um mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. the um then also keep eco- economic uh progress social progress Uh, so, so because you're in the space of business and you're in the space of philanthropy and you're you're in the space mm. of developing new programs so i'm just trying to understand um it's quite an interesting space from what i hear uh from what mm. you've told me so because it's almost like you can experiment and not just go down the american uh, route of development or go down the um the, the things that I've done in the past so is there an opportunity to create models which you mentioned like the four four day week but in addition to that what have you witnessed over your years of working there Mm. Well, look, the interesting thing about our society and you know just going back to the indigenous population, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean in in the 50s and I'm not quite to be fair don't know when it stopped, but certainly in the 50s and possibly the 60s, mm-hmm. um young Maori were not allowed to speak Maori in school and oh, were punished okay. for doing so. And so uh so the language um struggled because mm. you know it was it was it was uh discouraged enormously and so i think a lot of what we are seeing now and and we have so we have a thing called the waitangi tribunal waitangi is a place in new zealand where uh, the treaty of waitangi was signed which is the treaty between the maori and the crown mm-hmm. uh, queen victoria at the time um around the uh, uh, around how new zealand was going to be owned and governed there mm-hmm. is um discrepancies between the maori version and the english version so there's mm. there's things that go there but it was recognized um in the 80s that something needed to be done and so we had the the waitangi tribunal which has been set was set up to acknowledge the grievances of the past work through them and 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 have a process by where there was reparation to the tribes iwi uh as far as that's concerned right. and so therefore you've got you've got a legal and a financial structure that 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 sits in place and starts to sort of take care of all of that but your point is well made because actually at its heart it's who you how you feel in your heart and your sense of cultural identity mm. and so 
and so, so we 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 are seeing a, a, a resurgence in the use of Maori language, not just by Maori, but in our ordinary lives. Um, you know, we've got you know more and more signage goes up that's bilingual. There's um, a bilingual usage on the television and, and and the radio and in the media and 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 the use of Aotearoa as our country name as opposed to New Zealand. Okay. Um, and I mean, so even Vodafone, if you come uh, into into New Zealand and you're on Vodafone, it will say Vodafone Aotearoa, not Vodafone NZ. Mm -hmm. um, and so just the, so there are elements of where, you know, where we are acknowledging that we are a bicultural nation. Mm. But having said that, we're actually far more than a bicultural nation because Auckland particularly, but New Zealand as a whole, we have a huge amount of people from other cultures as well. Mm. We have lots of Indians. We've always had lots I, of I Indians. I don't know what Indians makes Indians been, go. They go all over the place. I don't know. Maybe they just want, want, want to live in a colder place. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can't leave my house. And these Indians <laughs> 100 years back are just like, uh, and it wasn't even like a flight. We, we have, <laughs> yeah. No, and so we've had we've had and Indians have been coming to New Zealand for generations. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, we have we have Chinese population that have been coming. I mean, for generations. I mean, they came in the eighteen hundreds with the gold rush. Mm. Um, so, so we have a large Chinese population. We have a very large Pacifica population, as you can right. imagine. Right. The the islands in the Pacific. We we have large uh, cultures there, and 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 so and and more and more um, our our, our uh, city, at Auckland, and our country, uh, and our economy uh, is so much more diverse. Mm. And so, I think that that doing business in in New Zealand needs to recognise that diversity. But the one of one of the great things about it is for a lot of businesses that are in the technology space is, is New Zealand's quite a good um, incubator place to try out a product and see how it works with this western and diverse and educated population yeah that they can then take that 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 test tube of of, of what they've done and then take that out into the bigger world and and put in a product that they that they've tested so that works that, that works quite well in our economy but when you know, when you're looking at you know, something like the future of work and you're and you're looking at you know I mean, the, I guess the, the question that we have around the whole future of work thing is, is why do we want to work differently? Right. And, and actually, the, 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 the future of work recognises that the way that we have been working in the past isn't fit and healthy for our society and our economy. And so, therefore, we need to find a different way of doing it. And so we're, we're, I don't think anyone's thinking we need to go back to working the way that we used to in the 80s and 90s. I think we all not acknowledge that the future of work needs to look different for a variety of reasons, technology, AI and the like, um, the fabric of our society, our health, the, the, the way that the economy works in a much more international stage. This, all of these elements say that work needs to look different. So, mm. it, so this is the exciting thing for us. I, I know, and I want to get into um, this idea of how a um, lot of the gaping flaws in the education system and the corporate system were kind of exposed when um, everything sort of shut down and we were forced to look at it, right, as we spoke about. Mm. But 
what tends to happen, I, you know, is that you kind of get caught in this rut of thinking in a certain way when you are believed to say that you need to have a job, you need to have certain uh, things in place, right? Like a bucket list, if you want to call it, you need to get a certain um, sort of check boxes ticked in your academic life, then you sort of progress towards work, then the work pays you a certain um, remuneration, which sort of goes up as you spend more time It's a reward system, then you get a family, you get a house, etc, 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 it just sort of goes in that direction. But um, why, why would, um, you know, when, when someone looks at the present day ecosystem, as you mentioned, AI technology and the various um, other social repercussions as a result of mental health, or you look at the family structure, you look at um, the the way in which gender, all these things have are, are progressing, if you want to call it, issues coming up and then getting recognized and how people are acknowledging their own identity as individuals, as working people. And also revenue streams changing, you know, with the internet, with jobs like, you know, YouTubers or creative aspects opening up. Um, so when someone like you who's been in this space for the past 25 years, uh, you started out, you, you've been in it, uh, you've been in um, the uh, in the space of business and around it and influenced by it and influencing it. Um, maybe you, could you just talk about how the landscape has changed from when you started to what we're looking at now? Mm. Well, I mean, when I started working, uh, um, I, I was working in the Middle East, actually. I mean, I was working a wee bit in New Zealand uh, mm-hmm. prior to going there, but I, my um, fiancé, to be husband, uh, mm-hmm. was working in the Middle East at the time. So I, on my main career at work started uh, actually in that Middle Eastern environment, mm. um, which is uh, quite different yeah, was, um, I mean, say, in the yeah. 90s, it was a very different world. It's a little, little bit more ordinarily westernized now, but it, it mm. was very different then. It was still very expatty. But when I returned to New Zealand and, and started to become part of it, you know, it, 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 there was a real sense of, of, of New Zealand being at a tipping point uh, in the journey of, of, of where we were doing in terms of being on the international stage. Mm. And I think that... We have, so one of the things that I often say with, uh, uh, which is I think a good example of how business has changed in terms of the way that it frames things is that we've been talking about health and safety in the workplace for the Mm. last 15, 20 years. Yeah. But really, we've just been talking safety. Yeah, yeah. And what has shifted uh, and was shifting uh, was shifting prior to the pandemic, but only with companies like Unilever, companies that sort of truly decided that they wanted to be a very different style of employer. That, but they were still the they were still the minority. Right. Um, but but certainly post pandemic, there is this much larger awareness that we have to acknowledge that that uh, our 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 businesses are an ecosystem. Um, and that everything within that ecosystem needs to be working well and needs to be healthy for it to work. So just as our computers need to be debugged, then so do our people. And that's yeah. whether they're leadership or whether they're, you know, on the shop floor. Yeah. It, 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 there is this acknowledgement now that uh, to move forward, we, we want something that's a bit different. But also what's quite different in terms of the conversations that we have with businesses is we're not just talking about work-life balance and we're not talking about you know sort of the 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 future of work thing that benefits just the employees 
what we're talking, which of course includes leadership often, um, we're, ta- we're, we're actually talking about how do you look at your business and work your business so that you get better productivity. Mm. And so right. this is the whole conversation that, that, that we have in our space is, you know, it, and we have this principle called the 180-100 rule where we want people to be paid 100%. We want to work 80% of the time, but we want productivity to remain at 100%. Mm. And so, therefore, actually what, we're, what we do when we run our program with, with people is we help them maintain that productivity and unlock all of those things within their business that allow them to do that so that their people can go home. And the great thing about reducing work time, um, and, and so we're not talking about you know, 40 hours or 48 hours as it is in India, over four days, we are talking about a 20% reduction in the amount of time that you spend at work. Yeah, and we're also, yeah. also it's despite the fact we call ourselves four-day week, that's the name on the can, we're actually really just talking about reduced hour working. And that might be five days a week, but reducing down to, to you know, to less hours on each day. And yeah. what we're what we're really talking about when we look at that, and and the, so kind of the journey that that I've been on, not just with this, but also in in my own life, having mm-hmm. been the mother of of two now young men, um, right. as so is is you know what is the society that I want to leave behind? What yeah. is the difference that I want to have made? Um, and I you know I've got I've ha- sort of had this sort of little bit of a push to do this because mm. uh you know so i've been given this opportunity in this platform with the four-day week it, you know it, it came it came to us because we ran it in our own company but we have uh run with it because we have andrew Barnes and i have the have the financial freedom and the ability to use our time uh because we don't have to work in our business to pay our bills and so mm-hmm. therefore we feel a responsibility to because we have this opportunity to do something about it because we really feel that we can make a difference and for me the time pressure on that has become truncated because um you know i used to sort of think that's great you know people say how long do you think it's going to take for all this to happen and i'd go I don't know, 10 years maybe, you know, we, yeah. you know we, 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 we're just going to keep pushing until it happens. But in uh, February of last year, I was diagnosed with um, uh, incurable cancer. And so for me, Sorry I want to, to really be pushing this now. I mean, I've, I've, I've in, in all likelihood got plenty of time left, but I don't want to waste any time in 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 having the chance to share with people why it's so important for us to economically and socially and 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 health wise um, mm. actually start making these changes to the way we work and this amazing opportunity that the pandemic has given us with all of that devastation and all of those deaths and all of the all of the disaster that it was what is going to be the good thing that comes out of it? And if we just go back to a society that hasn't improved, 
and hasn't yeah. take, moved forward, then what was the, you know what what honor are we doing for all of those people who lost their lives? We have to yeah. honor them and make society better. Don't it we? feels like a waste if nothing's uh, because everyone's like, oh my reset, as you said. But if things open up and they're just like, yeah, you know, it sounded good when we had nothing to do, but now it's just easy to go back to how things were, which is, as you said, uh, not a waste of life and time. I mean, time is probably not so much the issue, but, you know, and, and what you said is so, um, I mean, it's amazing what you're doing with everything you've learned because, you know, sitting in India, which is one of the biggest and a lot of people are looking at India and the population as you know, potential investment and potential growth because of this untapped potential that has been here. Mm. Um, and, you know, the Indian mindset is always you work more hours, you're more successful, you're more productive, you're more likely to do well and get the pat on the back and the fatter paycheck, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, since I came, uh, I left for university in 2001 or two or somewhere, uh, beginning of this um, post-millennial kind of uh, post you know post it kind of thing i just left when the it sort of thing happened mm. and you know prior to that of course uh, the, the people had money and the disparity was there everything was there but it was not as magnified it wasn't as um you know there wasn't as much money in india but you know i go in 2000 i come back in 2007 and then the it phenomenon has really kicked in right like with uh, outsourcing mm. with bpos with uh, i live in bangalore which is of course now the sort of conversation for venture capitalists, for IT and everything uh, in between. And and you kind of notice what um, that kind of money has done with just unregulated growth, with unregulated um, construction, traffic, lack of infrastructural sort of capabilities to keep up and cope with that. And then you look on the social front, you look at how the number of people who migrated to cities, I'm going to talk about Bangalore because I live here. It's just number of people who've come in, um, the number of sort of startups, unicorns, whatever these words are, just growing. And then and then you kind of, you kind of a lot of people get, just, get, get stuck there going, oh, wow, it's amazing. The middle class getting stronger, of course, and I agree. But then you kind of look at the other things, which is the effect on health, right? Or mental health. You look at uh, the families breaking uh, breaking up. You look at people um, with their with what they eat because they're they're not they they they're expected to work number of hours. Then you look at the the environmental effect, where it's just as I said, unregulated growth. You have these tech parks. You have the amount of concrete covered spaces. You have trees going. I think it just magnifies and magnifies and. Then you look at the actual individual person who's working, who's been given a certain salary, which they didn't have, and they're being hired right out of college. And then they're like, wow, it's great. But it takes 10, 15 years for them to go, wait a second, it, it, it looked good, but it isn't all that good. And now you have people in 2021 or 2019 to 20 to 21 who are going, you know what, I, I'll take a hit on my salary. I mean, very few are saying this, but I'd rather spend time at home. I'd rather do something I enjoy doing. And now you have people doing things which are uh, promoting sustainable practices. You have people doing, you know what, I'd rather sit at home and focus on some creative aspect of my uh, talent, which I didn't know I could explore, you know. So I'm just fast forwarding the past 20 years in two oh, minutes, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there's a large part of what we see with that. I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of people go, oh, four-day work and everything. The young ones just don't want to work as hard. And I'm like, mm. Now, what I was going to ask you is how, how does someone with the intention that you have and your team and your partner have with 
the benefits of a four-day week, and you've said the 180-100, which is the productivity, mm-hmm. the remuneration, and also reduced time, justify to a culture or to a country, to a population, um, that this is the way forward. Because, you you know, it, it takes time to tell someone, I mean, I'm, I've been trying to do it. I don't have a four-day week. I have a four-day month. <laughs> That's all I work. <laughs> and I think that the, the interesting thing, of course, is that for, for, for most people, the, the 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 reasons are all around us, mm-hmm. um, and um, and you, you're right. The growth of the middle class in places like India is a relatively new phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, and it might take time for people to get through and pass the thrill of yeah. that. And yeah. there is and you know and there is that. But but you know, lots of people sort of say to me, the young ones just don't want to work as hard, and I say, great. Because what what the young ones, the millennials, um, have seen is they've watched all of the negative effects of of overwork. They've watched all of those in their parents. Mm -hmm. They've seen what burnout looks like. They've seen the dissolution of marriages and relationships and Mm -hmm. health. uh, They've been brought up by other people because parents are always working. Um, And... They, they just want something different. And the thing that they want is time. And then they can use it in whatever way they want, whether that be to further educate themselves or spend more time uh, with their family or having time to cook and not eat Uber Eats. And actually, mm. because what we have as a society, of course, is as parents, we always want for our children to have better than we did. We want to give them better opportunities. So I always want my children to do have things that I didn't. And so we, you know, and and in days of in, in days gone by, that was a you know a house, a home, um, yeah. a, or a slightly better home, um, better food, healthier food, um, uh, better education, and you know, sort of that Maslow hierarchy of needs. And we mm-hmm. were sort of trying to make these things down here better. But now that we are here, what we, what we experience in, in the developed world largely is that it's not better, it's just more. Mm, it's mm. more house. You know, our children all need to have their own bathrooms. Yeah. You know, we have need to have more food. So obesity has become a health pandemic for us yeah. all around the around the developed world. Um, you know, and we need to have more education. Really, why? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why? What? What do we learn? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all we're all chasing each other to get these best degrees from these best universities. Why? What yeah. is that actually achieving? We've forgotten. We we just so. So, so we've just ended up with our children having more, and actually, what they want more of—and I say that our children, because that my my children are millennials. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 our children are your your young children, mm. at your end. Um, you know, what, oh yeah, what, my, what, I, I God, I'm a father now. <laughs> I just yes, realized. I, that, uh, yes, well, we haven't touched on that. I know, um, yeah. But what you, but you know, but but what what and and I was um, when my young men were were very little, and I did a parenting course by this very famous parenting expert here in New Zealand, uh-huh. and he had a line, a gentleman called Ian Grant, he had a line uh, that he used to use that children spell love, T I M E, and. 
Yeah. That is just an undeniable part of who we are as people. And so uh, the millennials, have, uh, you know, because, of course, my parents' generation, my mother didn't work. You know, she was home all the time. My father came home from work. He was home for work. He was home for family meals. We went on family holidays together. The weekends were about being a family now, of course, in the modern world, mothers work too. And, you know, as you know, I'm not saying women shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My stretch of the imagination. Of course, don't I don't think I don't think anyone will mistake you uh, when but, you say, yeah, of course, I think you're a big proponent yes, for. But, you know, so, 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 so both parents are working now. Yeah. But also when parents come home, they've got their um, they've got their iPhones or, their, or whatever the technology. They're mm. checking their emails, family holidays and weekends about whether we've got Wi-Fi. And we don't disconnect from work in the same way. And so we, we don't prioritise family in the same way. And we're getting, there are other, other elements out there, like the, you know, there's legislation in Europe with the right to switch off, the right yeah. to disconnect. And so that, you know, we're, we are recognising that all of these elements are being pulled in. And what we're talking about when we talk about reducing work time, we're actually saying let's put let's actually put some structure around what being away from work really looks like. And you know the the, the Microsoft trial, which is often often touted as being a huge success, which it, undeniably it was. Yeah. You know, they, and they did it by doing three things that work. They reduced meetings to 30 minutes, no more than five people in a meeting and uh, increased use of Microsoft Teams. And of course, this was prior to the pandemic when we when when we were doing a lot more face-to-face. And so they were saying, use more digital technology. Oh, okay, right, right. But, but what wasn't widely reported is that they actually did th- three things outside of work. They got people to report in on what they were doing for their family, what they were doing for the community and what they were doing for themselves. Mm. Okay. And it's about acknowledging as an employer, and I use a line a lot with when I'm talking to business owners. And so if there's any business owners listening, uh, just remember that we borrow our people from their lives. Mm. And when you let that sink in and you recognize, and I know it's annoying when someone doesn't turn up because they've got a sick child or something's happened in their personal life and we get, just get annoyed. Oh God, why isn't that person at work? But actually, that's their life. <laughs> and yeah. when they come, when they come to our the workplace, they are sharing their life with us. And so, not you know, the modern employer is recognizing that their people and themselves they have a whole life. And so back to your yeah. point about this, you know, this this whole sense of having to work long hours and, and work and do more work to, to get a sense of being a, a sense of achievement. What we're talking about is actually well, how you know, how do we rebalance that and actually acknowledge that achievement comes in many different ways and a successful family or a successful side gig or a successful thing that's outside of work actually is also a good thing. You know, I think that is something that I believe is so important. But sometimes when the constant message around you or the narrative around you is um, your value is only by your position or your status or your remuneration or your bank balance, it's very hard to constantly, um, you know, 
focus on this that is that is your individual development your your family um as as a family health or your kids and the time you spend these are such important things and i'm in as i said i'm in this place now my um you, you, you know we we have we had a, uh, my wife and i had a baby girl just uh, on the 11th of may as we were to postpone the recording earlier yes uh, and was, yes and i'm so excited but at the same time i'm nervous because the while many people i spend time with are uh, like minded a lot of the the system is isn't right and you are judged and you're valued on these things and i you know it's it's more of an observation when um and you know since you're, you're, you're you you focus in this space many times i believe that you know there is this um while it's 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 a work thing and maybe this is a question or an observation but do you feel and i noticed this when people spend 2 hours each way in traffic or 1 hour each way in traffic and it just takes an 8 hour shift but it takes them 12 hours because of commuting you know have have we designed these work weeks these work hours to keep a population so caught up in the job or at the workspace that they don't have time to think about the larger picture Mm. Well, and, the, and this is the thing, and so it, it, it behooves people like you and I to have these conversations and to share these conversations and mm. actually allow people to be thinking differently. One of the things that I often say when I'm speaking to women's groups, because women, so back to, to how gender is misaligned, mm. uh, one of the things that women do, and I say women because it's largely women, there are there are men that do it as well but it's largely women mm. when we return to work after having had a child we 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 go back on reduced time mm. but we also go back on a completely reduced package okay. but there are so you know so you go you go back to work on a four on a four day um uh working four days and you're on 80 percent of absolutely everything so all of the benefits including income salary that you get um, that, you know, those are all those things. Um, so we get, um, so we do this, we cut our salaries, but then what we do is we do the full-time job. Which and so one is so of the crazy I because I'm looking at my wife going through the first few weeks of uh, nursing and I'm like, you need, you need a top package in that space it's so difficult what she's going through and i think every woman goes through every mother goes through and every potential mother will go through that and and then settling with all those changes that go in your mind and body going back and being treated less than you know what even not even equal less than what you were getting right it's crazy Absolutely. And it makes no sense because generally what happens is women are actually doing the full-time job. So what I say to women's groups when, 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 I'm, when I'm talking to them is that stop doing that. Negotiate mm. what you're worth. So you mm. go into the employer and you say, right, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, going to do this whole four-day thing. That's fine. So what does the full-time job look like? Yeah. So be clear about what the full-time job is and say, okay, well, if I can achieve that full-time role in four days, Will you pay me for it? Because mm. if you think about it, what an employer wants is a piece of work out of you. They really should be completely ambivalent as to the amount of time. I mean, okay, there are some jobs which require presence, but for a lot of jobs, they don't. And so, and so what women need to be making sure is that they're negotiating their true value. And if they are giving a full-time, 
amount of work, not just in time, but in, in, a, in terms of a productive outcome, then they should be paid for that and they need to negotiate that. Because if they don't, if, if women who have the negotiation skills and they have their education and they have all of the, they have the, the self-confidence and self-value and, and clear about what they're, they're doing. If those women don't negotiate it, how is the woman who is cleaning the office floor at night ever going to have that? So we that have dignity to have and, these conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you, know, the, the, you know, there's that saying, how do you eat an elephant? It's one mouthful at a time. <laughs> so we've just got to have, keep having these conversations yeah. And finding the things that uh, that that help us rebalance it. So therefore, the conversation is: we are, well, you know, well, what do we want to do about India's divorce statistics? What do we want to do about India's uh, obesity statistics? What do we want to do about our environmental damage? What do we want yeah. to do about our gender imbalance? All of these things, um, you know, there are. There are programs that fix and end, and some of them are even at government level that try and fix some of these elements. You know, mm. here in the UK, they have a sugar tax for right. obesity. Oh, that's and so, yeah. so you're trying all of these things, but yeah, no, but Charlotte, at the same time, try to tell a population which has not had any access to this because of years of poverty that you know what don't eat sugar it's bad for you and they're like you know what you can sit there saying that sitting in your apartment which you own but i've never had um chocolate chip cookie i've never you know i'm just i'm playing devil's advocate here i mean it's so hard yes, yes, absolutely. To, it's so unfair yes. also you can tell you know oh i eat organic vegetables it's good for me and i'm going to uh, quit carbs and i'm going to go on a restricted feeding diet and they're like restricted feeding we didn't have food we couldn't eat more than exactly. a meal a day just so give it's, me all Food. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing. And it's the opportunity for India to actually be clear about how it takes itself. Because, of course, the, for, for the rest, for us in New, somewhere like New Zealand and, and the UK and things, because we're, we're so far removed from um, that sort of poverty. Mm. Uh, generations removed from it but um, at the same but, time sorry but, for interrupting but sorry uh, at the same time right now i was uh, i was just i reading an article where because of what's happened with the war in ukraine with the pandemic with supply chain with uh, with brexit i think there are people in the uk struggling I, I was reading an article by a lady who said she's a caregiver she has two kids and she said i couldn't heat up my son's pizza because uh, it's too expensive to put on the oven like i mean while yes. um, the uk is yeah. of course uh, um, I think removed from many of the poverty uh, inflicted issues that India or Pakistan or Africa is even people there who are um, poor are experiencing really a lot of hardship right they, they are there is there, there there is there is a real uh, a real hardship that uh, that people are going through uh, in, in all of the developed world actually mm. I mean the UK is probably no different um than than the US and, and you know Australia and Canada and and New Zealand. Um, but the difference is yeah. we have a social welfare system yeah, yeah. that will that will will ensure that you don't really starve. Mm. Uh, you might not be able to eat as the, the, you know you might not be able to eat the foods that you're used to being able to eat. Right, um, right, and you might have you might find that you go hungry from time to time. But the type of poverty you're talking about is being hungry all of the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and in previous generations, not actually having a journey out of that poverty. And so the difference you've got, and it's it's I it's I fundamentally find it quite interesting how the, how the world does develop because of course in a, in a technology space, 
let's look at financial markets. Yeah. Well, actually, how we managed our finances. So, so in my generation, you know, we used cash, and my and my parents wrote checks, mm. uh, and then there were credit cards, uh, and then there's you know your Apple Pay and all that sort of thing. And and in a lot of the developed world, check what's that? You know that that, that whole that whole um, they've gone from using cash as a thing straight to some sort of digital technology. They've yeah. gone via telephones with a landline to straight to, they've gone straight to cell phone yeah so technology has created and 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 the the route to uh stable middle class has been hijacked by technology mm. um but it's also been hijacked by food and you know back to your point about chocolate chip cookies it's been hijacked by food that isn't actually any good for us yeah and yeah. so therefore you end up in a situation so yes i it's it's a it's i i do find that quite interesting i find um i was uh, talking to to someone um a while ago and i and i kind of felt like there was a um there was uh there's a book to be written called um the, the well, it, it, you know in my head there should be a book written called uh, yeah. the leap the leapfrog economy where yeah. You know the developing the developing world leapfrogs a lot of this the the steps that we took in our space yeah and comes out up here and we're actually still behind you because you've just gone straight over here yeah no it's um, amazing and, with the uh, digital currency and the way those things work and the currencies well, of course I mean the amounts are so small but you literally do a Google Pay or you have as you said and it's amazing like the the reach of the mobile phone in India has just transformed the landscape. Oh look! Oh, when we lived in, in, I lived in Egypt in mm. the mid '90s, uh, and we were very lucky because we had a landline at home because my husband was the country manager for DHL at the time, mm. um, and so you know we we, we needed to have, be able to have the landline at home, but nobody else we knew had had a home telephone number. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you needed to hold of people, you, you know, you hold of them while they were at work, generally. And then, mm. then cell phone technology was sort of coming in. So there was, you know, there, we, there was a, a, a bit of cell phone technology. I took my children back in um, 2005, so yeah. still quite some time ago. Yeah. Everyone's got cell phones. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, that's fantastic. The shoeshine yeah. guy has a cell phone, right? Yeah. And the ability to communicate and connect is so fundamental to um to the way that we can and that we can improve our economy but it comes as you've pointed out with your chocolate chip cookie example mm. it, it comes with its own set of problems yeah and it's and and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you solve the chocolate chippy, yeah. uh, the chocolate chippy. Yeah, you know, because just to because apply to that same thing is, uh, sorry for interrupting, it's just I feel this happening in, in a lot of the uh, populations uh, which didn't have and now suddenly a mobile phone is very affordable. So now they yes. have access immediately to a Facebook or an Instagram, uh, which yes. they I don't have the support system to handle and process, right? So there, yes. say a girl whose mother is a maid at someone's house, she now has access to YouTube and she's seeing videos of... Um, Kim Kardashian wearing a ten thousand dollar dress, or she's seeing a local celebrity wearing a um, driving in a certain car with a certain handbag. Now she has yes. information; she doesn't know how to process it. But at the same time, she has influencers telling her that she can be the next millionaire. So it's creating this sickness of need and greed and want. Um, and so the reason I'm sorry I, I'm asking you this is 
how do you then go and tell um, a corporate? I think so. Let's 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 go into the four day week. How do you go tell someone um, who's so happy just exploiting people with uh, you know ten hours six days a week that no 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 reduce yeah. it to the four day week uh, because it will benefit your employees. And how do you tell an employee who's being judged by more hours at the workspace means more that you're more busy because people are like you know he works from nine in the morning mm-hmm. to twelve at night or twelve in the nine in the morning to ten at night and that's supposed to be like oh he's a he's he's more successful so he's I, a high uh, yeah, yeah. How, how do you yeah. sort of I know there are a lot of juxtapositions here but how do you uh, introduce your model um, and this movement yeah. um, into you know so, I mean, India's so one example but are, yeah yeah so there are three people who sit in this space mm. three three types of people. There's the person who thinks it's a great idea and just wants to put it into their business and just needs some help making that happen. Right. There's the other person who goes, yeah, look, I yeah, I kind of get why it's a good idea. I'm just not sure that I can do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. And then there's the person who just wants to exploit people and doesn't care at all. Mm. Um, I don't talk to the third person. Yeah. They, they can, they can, they you know, they can get on with what they're doing because there's no convincing them. Are they, in okay. your experience, uh, a good percentage of what's going on? Or well, is it more it, in I the mean, middle? I, I don't know. The reality is most of the people that contact us, of course, are self-selecting. Of course, So most yeah. of the conversations I have are actually with the first two. I, and okay. so, so, okay. the, so the first one, we have, you know, we have, pro, we have our program that helps companies do that. So if you want to do a four-day week, we have a program that will help you do that. Mm. Uh, and, and, and we'll discuss around what a four-day week really is. In yeah, that would be well. lovely. So, so, so we have a program directly to help those people who are ready to do something now. And then the, 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 then the other group of people are the middle ones who are, you know, who are prepared to listen. They're prepared to read the book. You know, and, and if and if you're one of those people, read Andrew Barnes's four day week book, and there are a number of other four day week books if you really want to go long on it. But read Andrew's one first, um, and it's on available on Audible as well if you just want to listen. Of course, yeah, um, I put the link uh, in the description of the yeah, episode. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank um, So, um, but but you know, but but don't close your mind to the idea that actually work is going to change mm. because. The great resignation is, is showing us that people want change. And so change will come whether we want it or not. Yeah. And so therefore you have to be, so this it's like a freight train. You can just decide whether you're on the train or running behind it, exhausted. And so for a, a country like India, which is at the sort of pivot point of being, because India is a real influencer in the world economy. Yeah, it actually it, it it needs to actually look at itself, and so we spend a lot of time talking to to these middle middle uh, two types of companies. The other thing, so we so four day week global. So we do two things: we run our programs around the world to help companies do that, and we have global research that's been designed out of Boston College, but is run locally. So if we did a program in you know where you are, or or, or or you know, and arguably with a country like India, you don't try and eat, you don't try and eat that elephant all at once. You just got to go one bite at a time. Pick an yeah. economy, and actually, and, and you know, pick a city or pick it, pick it, pick uh, in a region, and go. Look, we're gonna we're gonna see how we get on there, but we get a local researcher in that area who will then make sure that the research is applicable culturally and language wise, but also is asked the questions that are appropriate 
to that nation or to that region or to that that city that ensure that people get the answers to why reducing work hours actually works better in the micro and in the macro. So that's mm. so that's one side of things that we do. The other side of things that we do is that we we talk to as many people as possible and we talk to governments and we talk to, to lobby groups and we talk to politicians, we talk to interest groups and we talk to academics and, and media and we have all of these conversations that, you know, just sharing the message over and over and over again. And then what we encourage in any region that wants to, to do this is that you set up a local campaign yeah, and that local campaign, and we've you know we've got one in Ireland and one in in, in the UK, one in the US. Uh, we're developing one in, in New Zealand and Australia and Germany and a couple of other places, Hungary. Um, is is that what you what you need is people, local people, you know, Indians who believe that this is the way of the future for India, and yeah. they come from. You need someone that represents workers, someone that, rep so generally unions or something like that, someone that represents business, so a business um, a business forum of some mm. type, mm. type, or actually a business that is just doing the four-day week and, and is prepared to take that mantle on. Someone representing health and, and the health benefits, someone representing the environment and the environmental benefits of working less, and someone to, rec to, to represent children and, and or families. So this is an entire sort of multi-pronged approach. Um, well, it is. And so then each of those people have their own uh, areas that they influence within your society. Right. So and also it's a cust it's so the it's not like a, a, a like a cookie cutter model where you apply the four day week, which is um, developed for Ireland in India so it's almost like you it's it's a four day week which spills over to all aspects of life absolutely right. and, and and it's also not necessarily a four day week because lots of people go oh, I couldn't close my business for a whole day and my answer to that is just don't try we yeah. have the 180 100 rule what we're trying to do is cut work time by 80 percent so yeah. that people can uh, be doing things now you took yeah. you talk about uh, an environment where you're working for um you're working eight hours, but you're spending twelve hours because you've got to get there and back. Well, if you're not, if you're working, if you work five hours, yeah, sorry, five days, but shorter hours, you're going in outside of rush hour. Yeah, so or if you work time. half the office works four days for the full shift, and the other half works, then you're taking fifty percent of that population off the roads automatically. Exactly. I mean, at the work, yeah. Right. So you're so you're changing the way that commuter traffic works. Yeah, which of course is good for the environment as well. And then we have, because the pandemic handed it to us on a plate, yeah. the whole work from home thing as yeah. well. So what if you have a, a future workplace that includes some remote, some flexible, and some reduced, and then mm. bring all of those elements together and say, our future of work looks like all of these elements pulled together so that we have the best workplace and it recognizes that people what we want because the interesting thing is the human body actually doesn't like working that much and not having the time to take away from it 
Mine's about and two so, hours a day. That's pretty much, I max out. Yeah, and then what happens, well, you, you laugh, but that's so true. And then, yeah. So then, of course, what happens is all people doing is turning up to work and they're not actually being very productive. They're going on cigarette but breaks, they, they're playing foosball, they're having coffee, they're having a lot more uh, conversations they're around. Just having, yeah, yeah. They're just having unstructured meetings. Yeah. Or they're, 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 they're sitting at their computer screen, not really sure quite how they want to pull it together. And then someone comes along and disturbs them and then they go and they get distracted by that. And yeah. then something else happens. And then that report that they needed to get done by the end of the day, they are doing it midnight because they just yeah. got distracted. So, so it's actually, how, you know, how do we look at what work really is? And you're right, right. there is a cultural issue and, and, and it exists in the US and, and, um, and a little bit in New Zealand, certainly in Australia, where, you know, you know, oh, yeah, I worked 70 hours this week. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. a badge of honour. And so there is a conversation to change around how you frame all of those things and what we value. So, you know, people ask me, you know, you know so what do you do? And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm faced with a four-day week around the world, but, but I'm learning to play the piano. Mm. You know, and then, yeah, so you're at a, at a you know, out, out, you know, meeting people and someone asks you, then suddenly, I'm, so I've done this, I'm doing this four-day week thing. So let's say I'm not doing something as interesting as four-day week because let's face it, when I mention that, most people want to talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, no, I'm a lawyer. I'm, a, I'm an IT guy. I'm a this, that. I think, oh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, I'm learning to play the piano. Oh, really? You learned to play the piano? Oh, that's interesting. Then <laughs> at your age, <laughs> you know, it's a whole different thing when you actually – choose to value something else outside of this label yeah. and we and, and and all that that label does it makes us feel good about the wrong things and achievement right like many times uh, when yeah. you say i play the piano they're like oh which band are you a part of you're like no i just play because i i want to learn um, how yeah. to appreciate this instrument right but it's always yeah. like even um you know as as you, as you know i i do this podcast but i also am a stand-up comedian and it's like oh wow um and i'm like oh god okay here's the pressure to be funny you know so it's uh, <laughs> which as, is a joke in itself which right? is a joke in itself but everything becomes um the thing and that's why sort of a couple of points i've asked you sort of directed in this 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 headed in this direction of how do you uh, convince and you've said that's your focus. It's not necessarily four days and the number of hours, but it's the uh, the hundred eighty hundred, which is um, determines the model that you uh, you know sort of suggest to someone. But in an achievement based thing, which of course has come from different economies, I think India has taken inspiration from, um, and other countries have taken inspiration from the U.S. and countries and economies which have always sort of set the bar. How do you tell someone that working less is good? Um, you can probably achieve more. You don't have to be seen working. But at the same time, how do you tell someone that you get free time to spend on yourself, which in, in which in which time you don't have to achieve more? Because um, many times when people aren't working, they're like, oh, I'm going to do a self-development program. And I'm going to be the best version of myself. And then that has to get me a better job. I'm, I'm saying the, the, the cycle is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy to break is so hard, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Look, and, and, and it's not a, it's not like it's going to be a fast conversation, and yeah. it's going to it's it's going to be slow in places. 
But until we actually start, you know, and just start valuing those things, yeah, you know, and yeah, fine, you know, take a self improvement thing if that's you know that's the thing that makes you feel like it's the right thing. Yeah. But you've got to remember that that journey needs to if it needs to be part of you understanding. Yeah, actually, what's the self you're improving? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. No, the, the self so is so it, determined by external parameters, if you want to call it, or external yeah. uh, influences. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. so so look, let's look at your situation. You know, so you're you're a new dad. So actually, the yeah. self that you need to be working on is parenting, right? Absolutely. And and, yeah. and 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 being there for your wife because the self she needs to be working on is the fact that she's had this miraculous thing happen to her actual physical body. Yeah. That plays havoc with her hormones and her emotions. Yeah. Um, and that's a physical manifestation of how we maintain our population. Yeah. And, and and so that that needs to be accounted for in terms of how she returns to being herself uh, as an independent person, separate from being a mother and separate from being your wife. Mm. But also she's now a mother. So there's this, added thing in previously she was an independent person and she was your wife and now she's mother as well mm. and it's like so and she, an entrepreneur you know, so she's yeah she's she's experiencing all the things that, so, yeah, yeah so, she's, so as an independent person she had all these things as an entrepreneur or whatever all of these things that she had that was that was her yeah and then she's had she's has she has a part of her life that is as your wife and she has but now she, and it's the same thing for you you have this independence of who you are and, yeah. and of course you 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 a large you know a large part of that is so that you're in in the in the um low vision community yeah uh and then and then you've got this part as, as her as her husband and now you've got this part as as, as a parent yeah. and of course you know that's going to give you more sleepless nights than anything else <laughs> than worrying about your career no i'm sleeping like, for both of us she's at her mum's place <laughs> since you've had a daughter what were you thinking um, <laughs> No, so my, yeah, so my wife's at her mum's with uh, our, with our girls. So I'm sleeping a little. I shouldn't be saying this publicly. I'm sleeping well. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the reality is that everything in parenting comes down to how you divide the the chores based upon the capacity that that mm. each of you has. Mm. Um, and you know, there's that that's not uncommon for for fathers to get more sleep uh, during those early days. Yeah. Um, but you know, but you know, you're probably going to be the one that'll be out when she's a teenager worrying about where she is. Thanks, thanks, Charlotte. Yeah, I really appreciate that. <laughs> now I'm yeah, excited. It's, As it's, you said, it's, it's so yeah. important to understand uh, the fact that. You know, and I speak about this, these labels that you mentioned, we're so defined by them and sometimes so trapped by them. And the thing is that we forget how complex we are and how many things go into making us into entire beings. And a lot of people capitalize on these uh, limited labels, right? Saying, no, you are the, the IT guy, you are the lawyer, when you have so much more. And if you don't recognize for yourself how important all those other aspects are and you take it up and work on that, then... Even the four-day week or even a one-day week won't help you because you'll just be repeating that cycle, right? Oh, absolutely. And the reality is, you know, if being an entrepreneur is more important to you than being a husband or a wife or yeah. being a great parent, then those things are going to suffer. Yeah. So you have to, you have to, as, so therefore you're not being very good at those things. And so sometimes you just have to think, you know what, I want to be really good at everything. Yeah. But that's going to require me to have balance with everything yeah so i can't yeah. be a, i can't be a wife 
all the time yeah. because I've got entrepreneur and I've got motherhood. But they're all interconnected because when I feel really fulfilled as an entrepreneur, I feel very happy about my sense of what I'm achieving as an mm. individual. And I bring that happiness into, and whether it's entrepreneur or whether it's, you know, success at work. And, yeah. and when you bring that happiness into your relationship and your relationship is happy, then that happiness comes over here. And then mm. you feel like you're, that you're doing a great job as a parent um, because you're bringing these two great things into your parenting because they, generally they come first. Yeah, um, yeah. And you bring that into, into, into your parenting and then you feel like you're doing a great thing with your, with your children. And then that comes back here and that comes back because all of these things are interconnected. You are not just one thing and they're not silos, mm. right? You, they don't exist without, and, and this is re a large part of the conversation that we, that we have, um, uh, you know, with, um, with, with companies is that recognizing that people's lives are not silos. I, mean, I don't necessarily want you bringing your children to school, uh, to, to work. I don't necessarily, you know, want you bringing, um, too much of your, you know, too many things from your outside life that interfere while you're at work. But what I want is for you so that, you, so that you can be really good at work. I want you to have fulfillment over here. It means that you will bring a better you to work. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking for is, you know, and Andrew describes it, you know, he wants people to be the best they can be at home as well as being the best they can be at work. Absolutely. And when you have those yeah. two things, it works. It, it works. It creates yeah. a, a much better workplace. It creates a happier workplace. Well, yeah. you know. You know, and another thing, why we it's easy to blame the employer or the company. I think many times what you just mentioned is that it it's it also is on the individual to say yes. I'm going to take this up and look at myself and look at, decide what I'm going to do and how I'm going to balance it because while the companies might do it say take it here's a four day week they, they might because many people use work as an escape right to get away from the house from their family yes. so it, it's interesting how um, you 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 probably have to also approach it because it's not just a one-sided issue with okay employees uh, sorry employers you're wrong employees they're right they're exploited because it's it's quite nuanced in some ways as well very much so and we we talk about what, what we talk about is when when you're putting together a reduced hour program in your business it's a partnership between leadership and its people and so mm. what leadership is, is going look you know yeah we we acknowledge that we want to be able to reduce ours but we but we need productivity to be measured properly and we need it to remain uh, remain at the same levels and and so and then employees go well look, you know we want to reduce ours but we acknowledge that we've got to keep productivity up and so there's this partnership and so therefore what we're going to do is we're going to work together mm. to see how we can achieve that and by, mm. so most companies, when they go down this program and decide to do it, find that it's the best team building exercise that they ever did. It's a conversation, yeah. It's a healthy conversation. And then, the, and then the other aspect about it is it's actually um, a it's actually a really good business improvement program because this mm. problem you're trying to solve yeah. is how do we improve productivity and reduce reduce work hours but you can use the same process to manage any other problem that might exist in the business i don't know like a pandemic so no it brings up so many things, things that, which yeah, can one be of addressed the interesting things we we found with with perpetual guardian is because we've gone through this whole change yeah. together with the 4 day week when the pandemic hit, 
our people were able to go, okay, so how do we manage change within our business? Oh, we do this. Yeah. And then they brought all of that same skill set back to the business. And so when businesses do this, they actually improve the way the business runs. It looks like, it sounds like it makes people more, um, l- less or rather more flexible, more willing to change, but also less stuck in their ways, right? Oh, I've been told I have to do this, but no, okay, something else is sort of um, I'm faced with. Let me work around that. So it sounds really oh. nice. It is, and it's quite it's quite interesting. I mean, you know, it doesn't suit everyone. And this one, that's one of the, it was, it was funny, we were, uh, we were at, um, the, the subject was being debated by our researcher mm-hmm. from Oxford um, at, at the um, the European uh, Economic Forum the other day. Mm-hmm. And one of the criticisms was, well, it doesn't suit everybody. And yeah. I'm like, what workplace does? <laughs> <laughs> it's called work. <laughs> you know, there was a piece of research that came out of one of the universities in New Zealand that said that working from home didn't suit 31% of the population. And I'm like, so that means it suited 69% of the yeah. population, you know, which is nearly 70%. So it's kind of like, so So you're saying, you know, it's this bad because it doesn't suit this smaller percentage of but and not acknowledging that it suits the larger part of the population. But yeah. another question that comes out of that one, though, for me was, so if you're saying that working from home doesn't suit 31% of the population now, yeah. did it not, did working from the office not suit 61% of the population before the pandemic? Right. We just didn't know it. We didn't measure it, right? No, and it, it almost feels like running an experiment saying, okay, we're going to give everyone their salary or what they get is their salary, but they don't have to show up to work. They don't have to work and then see how many people are happy. They'll be great for the first month. But I feel after that, even people be like, oh, I feel so pointless. I don't find my purpose. I think people just well, want to absolutely. complain. And there's some, there's some research on our website, which is uh-huh. actually from, from Cambridge. And they look at exactly that point. How much work do we need mm. to feel uh, to feel whole as a pe- as a person, and, and mm. they actually quantify that. And you, you're 100 percent correct. We actually do need work, and this is why when we're talking about um, productivity in in the workplace, is that you know when when you go to work and you're clear about why you're there, you're clear mm. about what things you need to achieve, and you're given a workplace that encourages you to achieve those things. You get to the end of the day having achieved a whole bunch of stuff, you don't feel good. You don't feel dragged, but like you're dragging you your feet. You don't feel dragged yeah. if you, But if you go to work and you're not really quite clear about direction and someone's told you this and somebody else has told you that <laughs> and, you know, and you get through the day and you get to the end of the day and you really don't know what you've achieved. Oof, you I was in that position, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and so as, as, so as human beings, we like to know what where, where we fit. And that doesn't have to be in the C-suite and it doesn't have to, you know, you, you might fit and just be perfectly happy being the person that puts that widget into that hole. And that, and you need to be given absolutely every sense of um, being able to feel that that's an achievement that has value. No, I think that's so important. And I think, um, you know, on that note, Charlotte, I think everyone sitting, listening to this right now, many of them in India, I think, are really hopeful that, like how you said, we've sort of skipped a lot of the traditional routes of progress, right? In many cases, we've gone straight from no roads to the cloud. So I hope yep. <laughs> that we can 
um, unlike uh, the traditional time that it takes to adopt these measures. And I think there are a lot of young people, especially in the space of uh, startups and people who have ideas and incubators and in, in, in incubator programs who really can in the posi- are in a position to do this. And I, I'm so you know grateful that you took the time to share everything that um, okay. your partner and you and your entire team at Four Day Week are doing. And I hope it can be um, introduced to the Indian um, model, I think the Indian working system sometime yes. soon. Yeah, look, and there are companies in India doing it, so don't feel like you're out, out on a limb. But yeah. you, it's just one of those things where you, where we need to just be um, chipping away at it, yeah. having yeah. those conversations. Um, share, we will share your podcast far and wide, so therefore uh, everyone that uh, we that connects in with us will will hear what it. And you know, as a worldwide economy, we will sh- we will we will work this all out together. None of us Absolutely. have to do it on our own. Now, fantastic! And could you tell people who want to find out more about your movement and about um, the organization? Uh, can you give them the details? I'll of course put it down in the description as well. But it, coming sure. from you, I think it'll be great. Yeah, look, the easiest place is to go to fourdayweek.com. That's the number four, fourdayweek.com. It's the easiest place. You'll you'll find us there. There's links to where you can get Andrew's book if you want to read that. There is a white paper you can download. We've got another white paper that will be coming out in a few months' time. Um, if you want to register to try and have a program uh, near you, then uh, uh, you, you can do that. Uh, and there's all sorts of information and other bits of research that are on the website that you can have a look at. And, yeah, just you just got to open your mind to the possibility that you might be the person who makes the change in your organisation. Well said, and thank you um, for all the details and sharing such fantastic information and doing such great work and um charlotte lockhart thank you and i really hope uh, you feel well soon and i hope we can meet in india or new zealand or wherever oh, I, i'm absolutely coming to india don't you worry all of your listeners will be able to have come and come and maybe have a have and meet me where i will be coming to india my son is getting married in um november and he is marrying a very lovely indian lass oh lovely and so you're coming to india for the wedding so, well, no, the, the wedding's actually going to be in New Zealand because her okay. family are all in New Zealand. But we do have, as a, an extended family, plans at some point to have a trip through to India. So, Oh, that would be great. That, if you need a comedian for the wedding. <laughs> if you yes. Need a, <laughs> <laughs> yes, come to New Zealand for the wedding. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Just plugging in my other business here. <laughs> but Absolutely. thank you. All the best. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.